I think there's a lot of meaning in the struggle. That's why I like said that. Like you like take risks, man. Like you're, we're so conditioned to say, "What if it goes wrong?" But you need to reframe it. Like, okay, what if it goes right? So with crypto, the way I saw it, like it was going down, 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 down during the time of like 2018 to like 2020, and I saw, okay, so either this thing can keep going down, or it's down now and it has so much more room to climb higher. So sure, in the short term, I lost a shit ton of money, like 90%. But in the long term, it went up thousands of percent. And that like 90%, like that was like minuscule to the gains. And sure, if it goes to zero, like with anything in life, like business or investments, fuck it, you're in your 20s. Like you can rebuild, you can figure out how to apply the lessons from that to something else. Welcome to Behind the Thread, the podcast where we interview your favorite content creators on Twitter so you can learn more about the person behind the tweet. Okay, what's up? What's up? We're back with another episode. On the pod this week, we have Dakota Robertson. Dakota is someone that I've been paying attention to on Twitter for a little while. He's gone from zero to nearly 100,000 followers super fast. And it honestly blew me away. So I had to get him on the pod to talk through how he did it and his story. Dakota is just a great example of what happens when you step out of your comfort zone. He dropped out of college, was kind of lost with what he wanted to do. He went through a bunch of different jobs from being an electrician to security, even to starting a dropshipping business. With a few self-help books and re-evaluation and working on himself, Dakota began getting into crypto and learning about copywriting. He completely turned his life around. He made $431,000 by the age of 22. He now runs a six-figure business called Growth Ghost, where he grows other people's Twitter followings. I think there's so much real, raw advice in this episode. I think it will honestly help a bunch of people out there. We spoke about so much good stuff from how to make your job work for you to what holds people back from taking more risk in their 20s. Anyway, enough of me talking about it. This is Behind the Thread, episode 11 with Dakota Robertson. Let's get right into it. Dakota, welcome to the show, man. Hola, como estas? Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> I've never had someone do that on the, on the intro. You're, you're one of one already. I've never <laughs> done it before. There we go. We're all <laughs> new here. <laughs> all right, cool. So just to, just to kick off, can you kind of give everyone like one minute, like elevator pitch, just introduce them to who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Yes. So my name is Dakota Robertson. I was previously an electrician, delivery driver, uh, food server, security guard, medic, all that stuff. Um, very dissatisfied with where I was going with life. And I always knew I had more potential. Um, took a few years of figuring that out, self-help books, all that stuff, trying Amazon dropshipping, blogging, websites, all that stuff. Stumbled across Twitter uh, because I was in crypto and kind of got indoctrinated in the online business scene. Wound up studying copywriting, taught what I knew on Twitter and grew a following with that. Eventually transitioned to ghostwriting and that is what I do right now. I build big brands and grow the shit out of them on Twitter. And I also do consulting for people on how to grow their own brands and that is my quick elevator pitch of who I am. 
That was very nice. That was very concise as well. Nice. Very surprised I got it that concise. Yes. <laughs> it was like you'd rehearsed it. I was like, okay, fair enough. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, sick. So I think we'll get into like your Twitter stuff because obviously you've blown up on Twitter. I know you have like a company that you also help other people blow up their followings as well. So we'll get into that later in the interview. But I really want to start with kind of where you started with your intro which was like, before you started building businesses, before you started writing, kind of taking it back to the beginning, what were some of those things that you were initially working on that you mentioned? And like, how did you even get into that? Yeah. So I remember when I was 18, I had a friend show me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know it's like that for a lot of people, but reading that book really changed my mindset on things because I realized oh, you don't have to get a job. You can build assets that make you money while you sleep. And it kind of really got like shifted my thinking in you don't have to go to the traditional path. That was something my mom also told me growing up was like, don't work for somebody else. Be like, work for yourself, create your own business. But it didn't really like click until I read that book and realized, oh shit, this is pretty cool. This is possible. So at the age of 18, that's when my mind kind of expanded to that. And then I was more open to looking for areas where I could make money on my own. So it started, damn, I've been all over the place. But I guess the first iteration was like my mom, she started like a like a food stand on the side of the road and I would help her with that. So it was like kind of, that kind of got my gears working towards like the more entrepreneurial spirit. And she scaled that to more later on. But like... I want to say blogging was like the first attempt at making money online, but it wasn't even like trying to make money. It was like, okay, this might lead to making money later on. That lasted about two weeks. So like, it's just like writing and then you're like, no one's reading this shit. Like I, I give up. Screw it. It was just horrible mindset to have. Uh, transition to trying to drop shipping, trying to do that with my friend. So we just like thought of different products. He was doing sex dolls at the time, which is actually doing really well. We didn't do that together. We went to Amazon and tried skipping ropes. That we didn't even put any effort in. Like we just did it to like kind of see that we got bored and like, oh, screw it, whatever. So again, quit too early. And then web design, I landed a client or two with that. But at the time I was doing writing and with Twitter and I was like, God, I like, kind of like this writing stuff a bit more. It's like, it's a bit more scalable. So I did uh, copy. I start, switched to copywriting, wrote a landing page for somebody for like dirt cheap. That sucked because I was just like stressing about, okay, what do I write? How do I do all this and this and that? And I thought like, well, I'm growing my Twitter right now. and it's pretty, it intersects with copywriting a lot. And I was thinking like, okay, why am I doing copywriting when the competition is like crazy high, when I can go into a niche of copywriting where the competition's like this, and I have so much more social proof, and it's just much more lucrative. So I chose to be a big fish in a small pond, and I went with that, and yeah, so did well with that and kept iterating on that. Now I'm doing it kind of at scale. And yeah, that's kind of my journey. Okay, interesting. I'm interested what you said about, so obviously you, you started at 18, you were reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I think a lot of yeah. people have read, right? Was it, when you were reading that and you were inspired, was the motivation to be rich or was it like to find your passion? Like what... What even made you think like, oh, I want to start my own business and all these things? 
Yeah. So the main, like my biggest, my biggest value is freedom. And that encapsula- encapsulates a lot of things. So like freedom of my time, freedom of choice, uh, freedom to do, go wherever. And money or wealth is a tool for me to obtain that. So I wasn't doing it to like get status and all that stuff. Like I'm sure maybe subconsciously, yes. But for me, I just hate being told what to do. I was told what to do a lot as a kid. And I just really don't, I don't like it unless it's from somebody I respect. And man, I was, I would work like 12 hour days as an electric to make money. And I was just like, absolutely miserable. Like, what's the point of all this? And it just, it, I'm glad I got that perspective. And I'm glad I went, I went through that uh, because it made me appreciate having freedom and working for myself. But yeah, like obtaining money was like at the core is like freedom. Like if you can make 3000 to $5,000 a month, even less, like you can buy your freedom. And it's not that hard to do. Like it's honestly, like if you study marketing, sales, whatever, like it's it's very obtainable. And if you apply the principles, and you're willing to look like a jackass in the beginning, but yeah, it took it took a while to get there to like kind of realize how simple it is. Like you got to do the complex shit and like screw up a bunch of times to realize, oh, it's like literally this simple. Just do this, do this. But yeah, the main the main driver is freedom. I think you know you know what's interesting with like the pandemic and stuff. I think it kind of made more people go after like what they truly want. Like there are a lot of people that were in jobs that were like, I don't even like this shit. Like I'm just going to go do some other, I'm going to work for myself or I'm going to stay at home with like my kids more or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I think that that topic of like freedom or just doing what you want to do has become like more pertinent, like more people, it's on more people's minds. Yeah. I'm interested, like your end goal was freedom you were like an electrician, right? At the time, like how, how did you even think about getting to that space? Was it like very strategic or was it like, cause it sounds like you were kind of hopping around, like trying different things. Was that like a strategic move or you were like, explain that? Yeah. So I have this, like, I just like have this lazy mindset. It's kind of funny. So I was an electrician and it was good money. and. I would work a lot and that helped me a lot because I put a shit ton in crypto during that time. So I leveraged like a lot of money that way. But I was like, how can I get paid to sit on my ass so I can study like business stuff or like try different stuff? By the way, I also did day trading. Would not suggest that. I did that for a little bit. But yeah, so like that was like the kind of mindset I had. I'm like, okay, so like how can I leverage my time and optimize that to the maximum amount? And at the time, I had different like ways of doing that. That's why I was bouncing around. So I did delivery drive for Domino's, but I would listen to podcasts and eBooks and stuff like that while I, while I drove around. And that way, I was still making money while I was doing it. I was also a security guard. I I would also sit on my ass and I would listen to podcasts. I would take courses, stuff like that, where like learn these skills, learn the foundational skills. I would also tweet or whatever when I was a security guard too. So like I would create content. Medic. I was a medic. I took a two-week course that apparently qualified me to save lives on the oil and gas industry. Completely crazy to me. But yeah, I would sit in their truck literally all day, 12 hours a day. I'd get paid pretty decent to just literally do whatever and if shit popped off i would have to go like save lives and stuff but nothing major ever happened and yeah so like the main thing was like i leveraged my time 
to learn skills where I could leverage those skills to earn more money. So that was like it was like a lazy kind of thought pattern or like process, but it it worked because it just because you think about it, like how much time do people spend at their jobs every day, and when you get home, you don't feel like grinding another six hours to work on your stuff. So why not get paid? Sure, maybe a little bit less at some jobs, but why not get paid to learn these skills and then later leverage those skills and get paid more? So, you know, you know, one thing that's interesting is, so I've been working maybe for like three years now and being in the workplace, one of the things I've noticed, and I did this as well, is that I feel like most people work for the company but the company doesn't work for them. So to your point, it's like they spend all their time like at their job, which in a way is, is good. Like they're dedicating themselves. They're trying to get ahead. They're doing all these things. But then maybe the economy goes through like a bad period or something. And now they're cut loose and they have nothing. And they've like, they've dedicated everything to this company, but it hasn't invested back into them. Yeah. And it's interesting, like what you're saying is, make the job work for you, which is like, you have this goal, <laughs> they're paying you a paycheck, like you're still doing the work, but also make sure at the same time, you're getting something back either through learning. Like I know there's some companies they'll pay for skills training or education for their employees and stuff. And to be honest, I think it's like a really important point because it's easy to just sleepwalk and you end up working for a company for months, years, and like you haven't actually developed, you have nothing that's your own. It's crazy, so, man. Yeah. I would see people that were in their 60s, even 70s when I was working in the oil and gas industry as an electrician and a medic. They look like like broken inside, man. Like they just look like shut off, like, yep, this is my life. And it's uh, that scares the shit out of me. Living a life of regret and just like doing the same shit, like man, that's crazy to me. It's it's scary. But that's also why I like entrepreneurship is because you are the only bottleneck to your growth. Like if you're not making sales, that is on you. If you are not generating leads, that is on you. If you're not doing whatever, that is on you. And that's something I really like because it forces you to level up your own skill set. And it's it's just another form of self-improvement. It's yeah, like your skills directly correlate with how much money you have in the bank. And if you're not getting money in the bank, well, that's a sign you need to level up your skills. And so yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I have like a similar thing. I like that it's like, it's on me. It's like the extreme ownership. I think that's the, the word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You have all the responsibility. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about one of your tweets because, so obviously you've been blowing up like over the last few months. You have a really engaged community on Twitter. I think you have like 85,000 followers. Sir. I might be dated in saying that. You're going to have 100,000. No, no, 000, I, I think so. you're right. I think 84, okay. 85 or something. Yeah. Okay, nice. You have a shit ton of followers. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's growing all the time. And I think the tweet thread that you had where I initially found you was the one, I think it was like your, it's your biggest one. I believe, which is every man in his 20s should read this or something like that. Yeah. Kind of the, yeah, if you're in the your, hook. If you're a man in your yeah. 20s, read this. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I remember reading that. And at the time, I was like, no one really talks about that on Twitter. And it was so, it was so blunt and to the point. I was, well, I'm a man in my 20s. So I have to read this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I wanted, I wanted to go to one tweet. And, there's, and I encourage everyone to read it because there's like a bunch of good stuff in there. But one tweet which was really, interesting and i'll read it out it starts like this so it goes take risks 
start a business, buy crypto, pursue your far-fetched goals. If I didn't take risks, I wouldn't have made $431,000 by the age of 22 or become self-employed at the age of 23. The upside is infinite. The downside is minimal. So I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what do you think holds back people in their 20s from taking risks? Yeah, so they're conditioned to fear risk. Like they're conditioned to see it as a negative or like fear failure because our whole lives we're like told no. No, don't do that. Or no, you have to raise your hand to go to the bathroom or do this, do that. Go to go to college for something you don't even want. Like this is because I want you to do it. Like you have no say. And so it's like shit like that. We're like we're always pushed around, like do stuff and it, it, over time, you just like kind of become a victim. Like you, you're just conditioned to like, oh, I don't know if I should do that. Like, what if I fail? Like, oh no, what if? And it's also like the, the environment we live in today, where everything's sheltered, and it's seen like it's it's a bad thing if something bad happens to you. But in reality, like I like related to going to the gym, like you don't grow muscles unless there's an, a stimulus applied to you and breaks you down and because you are broken down you can build back stronger if you have the right nutrients and like that can be extrapolated to other things like a support group of like a supportive group of friends or if you have uh, the right mindset stuff like that but yeah like, i honestly think fucking up early in life and like experiencing challenges i think that's huge i think it's a like really big driver for growth because it doesn't apply to everybody, but like, look at people that have stuff handed to them their entire lives. And I mean, man, like they, they're some of the most miserable people I know, like they're trying to find meaning, but like they have everything. They just don't know where to find meaning. So I think there's a lot of meaning in the struggle. And yeah, I would, I would encourage, that's why I like said that, like, you like, take risks, man. Like you're, we're so conditioned to say, what if it goes wrong, but you need to reframe it. Like, okay, what if it goes right? So like with crypto, for example, I'm a big proponent of leverage. So like leveraging your time, your money, your skills. So with crypto, the way I saw it, like it was going down, 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 down during the time of like 2018 to like 2020. And I saw like, okay, so either this thing can keep going down or it's down now and it has so much more room to climb higher. So I said, okay, what if it like, what if these smart people are right. And it just keeps going. It, it goes higher in the long term. So sure, in the short term, I lost a shit ton of money, like 90%. But like in the long term, it went up thousands of percent. And that like 90%, like that was like minuscule to like the gains. So like that's the kind of the way I see it. And sure, if it goes to zero, like with anything in life, like business or investments, fuck it, you're in your 20s. Like you can rebuild. And if you're a smart person, assuming if you watch this podcast, you're a smart person, you can figure out how to apply the lessons from that to something else. And man, you can like screw up like every day for 10 years straight in your 20s. I think Gary Vee talks about this and you, you'd still be fine in your 30s and onward. Like you're, you're a baby. That's what Gary Vee says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I always resonated with that because it's like when you're like a teenager or you're 20, like for me, I'm 24, right? I think mm -hmm. about like 25, I'm like, 
I'm getting over the hill, man. Like I'm getting close to that. <laughs> like it's coming. <laughs> but then like yeah. most people work until what? They're like 65, 70. Mm-hmm. So you have so much time. Um, and I think people don't think about it like that. They think they need certain things established upfront almost. They need it established really quickly. And that's kind of, it holds them back from, from taking risks. I guess the thing is, I'm interested to hear from you is like, you mentioned the thing about crypto mm-hmm. and being leveraged. Can you kind of can you kind of explain more your mindset on that? You said that you're like you care a lot about leverage. Can you can you mm-hmm. talk more about that? Yeah, so like leverage is the way I see it is something where you have an unfair advantage almost or like something where you could optimize an ideal amount. So like time leverage i don't know if that's actually a concept but i like i refer to it as like time leverage this is what i did with my job so i you i got paid to sit on my ass but i leveraged that time in something that could get me exponential gains for the time i spent on that so say spend i don't know i could spend five hours learning a skill and over the course of a year maybe that skill can save me dozens of hours of time so that'd be like leveraging my time in something that works well say with money leveraging that is pretty simple so like say if i have a hundred thousand dollars and i throw that in an investment it makes me ten percent okay i gained ten thousand dollars from that hundred hundred k but same same principle applied to ten thousand dollars i only made one thousand dollars so it's like finding these places where you could where you have an unfair advantage and just like leveraging that. So same with skills, like that's all it is. It's like leverage. So with ghostwriting, I have knowledge, a network, that's pretty much it. Skills, I guess. (laughs) I have knowledge and a network and skills that I use. I leverage those to charge a shit ton of money to people that don't have that. So it's like, again, like leveraging that same with like the dating market like if you're good looking you could leverage that and you could be crappier in some areas but like your leverage with like being good looking could get you away with a lot more stuff it's it's just stuff like that so i'm like a big proponent if you have leverage in some areas i think you should exploit that and run with it because everyone has like their own thing so why not use yours like it's kind of like your obligation like you should because by using your leverage, you can help more people because you get more resources and you can use that to work on your purpose and help other people find their leverage. You know, what's interesting as I listen to you speak, because I'm kind of like this as well, where like, I'm just always looking for opportunities. And I think certain people, they're very good at like finding opportunities or just little niches that fit them very well. And I think Mm -hmm. it kind of takes this combination of like, self-awareness of knowing like what you're good at or like what you can uniquely provide and then also what's happening in the world and then just finding that little intersection i'm interested yeah were you always like that like you were just kind of because i don't think a lot of people think about oh i'm at my job like how do i fully utilize this time or i'm investing this amount but how can i get even bigger payoff like have you always been like that was there like a book that you read, someone that inspired you? Like, what? Yeah, so 
early on in my like I used to be very socially anxious and there's like absolutely like low self-respect for myself low I didn't think of myself as like high value thought of myself as like kind of dumb in some areas but like one thing I always had was self-awareness like maybe too much and that was I think that I don't know if that's genetics or if that's learned I've always been curious about that but I've always had like self-awareness so I'd notice things and I would like pay attention to people that looked like they knew what they were talking about but yeah like I I think I've really really understood concept of leverage or like I really understood the importance of it after listening to Naval I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast so I probably listened to that when I was 18 or 19 that's when it really like cemented in my head like this idea of leverage and then combine that with me being kind of looking for the laziest route to do shit that was like oh I like this idea but yeah like Naval he says it more profoundly yeah I kind of like took what he said and like spun my own ways on it another way of looking at leverage is like your podcast so this is something you build once, but you can sell twice, three times, four times, or whatever, because it's going to compound. It's like over the span of a year, you're going to produce how many podcasts? Well, that's like so many more opportunities to get people to your audience. And over time, that's going to build up, just like the Joe Rogan podcast. Like It started out with nothing, builds up the audience because the this is live forever, and boom, that's leverage. So like that's another way of looking at it. But like... Yeah, so I think I've read a lot of self-help books after Rich Dad Poor Dad because I got like really hooked on it. Probably too much, but yeah, I think it's just like surrounding yourself around the right people. You kind of condition yourself to like look for pathways to do what they did, or like you get new perspectives from like reading these books, and then you're like, oh, okay, like maybe I can apply this idea of weightlifting to Twitter or something like that. You know, like where it's like totally weird ideas so like i was also very creative as a kid so i think it just like applies to like different areas like i wonder how i could do this differently or stuff like that you know something that's super interesting that you said you kind of alluded to it is once you start doing different things you realize you can like the lessons are everywhere like the lessons in life are everywhere so kind of what you were saying right with the gym like there's so many things in the gym that actually apply to like other areas of your life. So I, I remember, for instance, when I first started working out, I went like hard for like six months, like the weirdest diet, like really high protein, just trying to put on muscle. And then I remember I got, I got kind of sick from doing that. <laughs> and then two, three weeks, like just sick, not eating anything out of the gym and like everything's gone. And it kind of taught me like, you need like the consistency, right? Like it's like the long game. Yeah. And, and literally there's so many examples of that in life. Like you might learn something at work, which is actually useful in like a whole different arena in life. And I think if you have that mindset where you're just open, because that's the thing I think when I listen to you, I'm like, oh, like he's like an, he's like an open-minded, like he's learning from a bunch of different areas and applying it. One thing I wanted to talk about, which you mentioned is when you were younger, you didn't feel like you were high value or you felt like you were kind of dumb. One of the things I find which I've been kind of reading about more is in our mind, we all have our own sense of identity, like who we are. And it's one of those things that it kind of, who we think we are kind of shows up in so many different ways. I mean, it really influences our outcomes. I'm curious because I think it's so difficult to kind of change that identity, change that like core belief. How did you, cause I'm assuming you don't think that you're low value now. <laughs> so how did you how did you go about changing that? This is something I'm very passionate about. I did a video. I got to retweet that because I did a really I did a really good video. I was passionate about on that. But yeah, so 
I grew up with like social anxiety because I was like a fat kid. Some shit at home too is like, I just didn't like feel like enough. And I like when you're a fat kid and you're kind of shy, people like to point out when you're a kid, like, you know, it's, oh, you're a shy kid or you're like that fat kid and shit like that. And you hear that enough times and you just like condition yourself to like, oh, like maybe I am because you're getting this feedback. And then you hear it enough times and you're like, oh, I'm a fat kid or I'm this, I'm worthless. Like, what's my opinion worth? And you play that enough times and it's just like you identify with that. So I identified with that for many years, like like probably like 11 years or like from the ages like nine to like 22. But yeah, so like it was something that like always bothered me. And at the age of like 13, I started going to the gym uh, with my stepdad and I started working, working out. And I would like work out till I threw up at these like boot camp classes at the YMCA. And I fucking loved it because it was like, I'm, I'm just like going hard. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it's like, I'm running from, I'm running away from this identity. And that's what, that's what it was for me. Like, I'm like, fuck this. I'm like putting my emotions into working out. But yeah, like over time I saw that I could, cause I, I know, remember the first day, like I noticed like physical changes, like after a few months, I was like, holy shit, like this stuff works. Like going to the gym and exercising works. It's crazy. And it it was really impactful because you're just like, okay, like if I can do this in this area, I wonder what else I can apply this to. Mm-hmm. So if I can apply this to my physical body, I wonder if I can apply this to my mind. Mm-hmm. So that also took like a, that took a lot more work is changing your beliefs around something. So long story short, like I I slowly like worked my worked my way towards the identity I wanted by just doing shit that made me uncomfortable. Like I didn't like go like, oh, I'm confident now. It's like, no, I started, I started small talk with cashiers. I initiated like, oh, hey, how's your day going? And that scared the shit out of me, but I kept doing it. And then eventually I got comfortable doing that. And then I took it a step further. I would, I would initiate, like I say, if I'm at a party, I initiate saying hello to somebody and shake their hand. Like, okay, that felt uncomfortable. Now it's like a lot easier. And then I would like go ask for like girls' numbers at a cafe and then at the gym and shit like that. That is still uncomfortable. I fucking get nervous around like yeah. cold approaching one. Damn. But it's good. It's a good sign. So it's like taking those small steps. Also, a big thing is stop identifying with your feelings. So I read this book called The Seven Pillars of Self Esteem. Never finished it. I read like a good quarter of it though. I got what I needed. And in it, he talked about, I believe it was in that, a stop identifying with your feelings. So like, if you're feeling anxious, you, you don't say like, I have social anxiety. Like, because you, you don't, like you, you don't have social anxiety. You don't, you don't, you are not a feeling. You may be experiencing social anxiety, but you do not identify with it. So like, once you like do that, you create this disconnect with the feeling and your identity. And when there's that space, you have more clarity. You're like, oh, this is that's just a feeling, and it loses power over you. So like, that was a big thing. It's like because of all those years, people telling me what I was, it's like fat kid or shy or whatever. That w- that was conditioned in me, and it was like automatic. So I had to like conscious consciously realize that that was in me, and I had to create that separation. So like the first thing you have to do is like realize your tendencies, your habits, and really like analyze them. That's where like self-awareness comes in. You can journal for that and bring out self-awareness, meditation, stuff like that. But like once you realize that, that's when you start 
like heading or challenging it, challenging these thoughts direct on. So like, say if I'm like, I'm experiencing, I have social anxiety. It's like, okay, wait, no, no. Like, okay, I'm experiencing social anxiety, but that does not mean I have social anxiety. And then you start challenging the belief. You're like, okay, like, let's look back at all the times where I showed I was confident. So I asked for that girl's number the other week. I got that. Okay. I mean, would a socially anxious person do that? No. Mm -hmm. And then you just like kind of, you, you flip the script on it. And over time, you do that enough times and you start conditioning yourself like, okay, I'm confident and all that stuff. There's also something to be said about like looking at your achievements or shit like that. And then just like showing appreciation for that as well. Looking at looking at the logical side of things. So if you're emotional about something, look at it logically, kind of like switch off your brain. Like, okay, if I was like, what are what are the reasons of me thinking this and why might they not be true? So that's like a big thing. Like, I'm not saying it's easy. Absolutely not. It's very uncomfortable. It takes a lot of work. It took me years of work. But like just reframing is a big thing. So like stop seeing as discomfort, just see it as a means to grow. Like it's may, might be uncomfortable to go again with the gym, might be uncomfortable to lift weights, but over time you get stronger. And then like, it's not like the weights get lighter. You just get stronger if you want to cliche, but yeah, that's the way I would look at it. And yeah. Yeah. You know, that's as, as I, as I know, it's a great rant. As I, as I listen to you, one of the things that I think about is like the power of momentum and yeah. I think this is going to sound like I'm going on a tangent, but I'm going to bring it back, which is, yeah. so I watch like a lot of NBA, like basketball. And there's this phrase that the commentators always use. They're like, basketball is a game of runs. So you'll see one team will go on like a 15-0 run and they're hitting everything. And then maybe the coach will call a timeout and the opposing team will then go on like a 10-0 run, 12-0 run. And you're like, how can that happen? Right. But it's the, it's the power of momentum. And I think a lot of the times, and I think what you said was a really good point, which is like, I think sometimes it's so in your head that you're this person, like you're, you're unable to detach from it. And when you just start taking like those small steps, just slowly pushing the, the, the comfort zone, it's like that momentum like builds and builds. And it even goes back to what you were saying before, right? About like compounding, which is like, why would going, like maybe going to the gym is now making you more confident in your workplace or in your relationships. And there's all these other benefits because now you're building momentum. You're on like the upward, you have that upward trajectory. And I think sometimes the problem is, and I've done this as well, is like the gap between where you want to go to and where you are just seems so large that like you don't see a way that you could ever get there. And so you just, I think yeah. people get like overwhelmed kind of like they're just... They just stand still because they're like, I could never do that. Like they're demoralized. Yeah. Um, it's like with weight loss, man. Like you got to set these, sure, have that big goal, but like set these milestones in between. Like that's exactly like how you build habits because you get that like dopamine from these small rewards. So you got to like find these ways to along the way, like, oh, I want to make a million dollars. Like, okay, we'll start with a thousand dollars or start with $10, like making that online, then like push your way up. That's a, no, yeah, you articulated that perfectly. Yeah, nice. Okay, so so obviously you're working full time in like a bunch of different things. I'm interested in like the transition. Like when did you start working for yourself? Like how did you even do that? Cuz I think a lot of people say like, "Oh, I just started working for myself, whatever." 
but there's also the reality yeah. of like how do you live like you still need money <laughs> so i'm like i'm kind of in, interested in like how how did you make that transition happen yeah so in september of 2020 i stumbled across money twitter it's called with all the business people during the time i was going to college for my second year i was going to be a high school english and psychology teacher but i was on twitter and i was learning more on twitter than i was in these fucking classrooms it was just a joke college for my subject and i was like okay i can always go back to college but like i'm not gonna always have the opportunity in my early 20s to pursue business so i was like screw it i'm dropping out so <laughs> I finished my first semester of my second year, but after that, I chose not to renew. Yeah, I said, screw it. I quit my job at Domino's at the time. I quit college. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go all in on this. And this is very important. So I did not quit all this shit without having a safety net. So I made a shit ton of money from crypto. Like I didn't need to work and all that stuff or I didn't need to go to college, but I was just doing that stuff. I had a good safety net. So I like, I was very, I was coming from a place where it's like, okay, I don't need to make this work, but like, I have like an internal drive. Like I, I, I'm going to make this work. I know some people like try to romanticize it, like burn the ships, like quit everything, just go all in. I think it can be incredibly reckless for a lot of people. Like you can ruin your life if you're not careful. Like you could just, you don't have savings and emergency comes up. Like you might be like totally fucked. So like, just if you do, I would say have like good like six to eight months of money you can live off of. So like save, plan for this. But yeah, so I quit. I was at like 750 followers at the time on my Twitter account. I was growing super slow. That was after three months. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to restart my Twitter account too. So restarted my Twitter account, switched to a copywriting Twitter account. And at the time, I knew nothing about copywriting too. So I was doing web design at the time. but or learning web design, but I was like, okay, it's good to learn copywriting so I can combine the two for a business. So I was like, what better way to learn copywriting than to, to post on Twitter about copywriting because it would keep yeah. me accountable. So I started that account February 17th um, of 2021. And yeah, I just went ham, grew to like 100 followers in three days. Like, okay, this is working. Again, with like the positive reinforcement, like the small goal, like I was happy with 100 followers. Like, yes, sweet. So, posting copywriting content. Meanwhile, I was um, still like learning copywriting and I was still learning web design, all that. And then, I don't know, fast forward like two months, I was at like 2,000 followers or 3,000. It's like awesome. And I also was like getting to know everyone in like the Twitter scene. So, one of the early people I looked up to was Dan Co. And I really liked the guy. I was like, oh, this, like, oh that's kind of like where I want to be. And so I, I hit him up at the time he was launching a community. And I joined that community. I was really, really psyched to be in it. And I just gave him a suggestion. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if you had this channel in the community and whatever. And he was like, oh, sweet. Like, thank you for that. And he like sent me like 200 bucks. I was like, holy shit. Like, this guy's awesome. Like, what? He didn't need to do that. So... I guess I had some like psychology kick in, like the reciprocity bias. And I hit him up. I was like, hey, like you offer coaching or something? Like I'd be interested in like getting on a call. And so I hopped on a call with him and like I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I don't I don't really like I haven't I don't know if I need coaching or not, but I got on a call with him 
And I was like, I was just like, oh, okay, this seems cool and whatever. And like, how much is it? And I was expecting like two thousand dollars. Yeah, so it'll be like eight thousand dollars. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I was not expecting to spend eight thousand dollars. You did payment plans though, but yeah. So like, that was a big turning point for me because by putting that money, by spending that money, I was like, okay, I really gotta like fucking do this because I'm I'm putting this money in this, and now I'm like full on invested. Because before that, I was like, okay, I'm like learning these skills and all that or whatever, like didn't have a full structure. So by like putting that money in, I was very dedicated. And that's when I like really got serious. Like, okay, I got this roadmap. I know what to do. I'm being held accountable by my coach. I'm going to implement these steps. And then boom, that's when I started. Or I landed a copywriting client before that and a web design client before that, but nothing major. But that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to make a a, um, copywriting, ghostwriting, web design funnel for these people and uh, sell that horrible offer. Like there's fucking three things. Like you should probably offer one, only offer one thing, get good at that. But yeah, after a few months, I was like, iterate on my offer, figured out all this shit that started growing on Twitter a bit faster. And uh, yeah, eventually like, okay, I got to hammer in on this ghostwriting stuff. Cause that's what I'm best at. And yeah, November of 2021, that's when I had my landing page built out and everything in place. I was probably like 8,000 followers and um, got an application from somebody that saw me on Twitter, hopped on a sales call with them, landed them. And yeah, I got really good results for them, scaled up the operation. But yeah, now I like, that was for like, my first client was like $3,000 a month. Now I'm selling packages for $25,000 for two months. So it's just like crazy how fast shit can change. Did that shit ever seem like crazy to you? Like, were you like, I can't believe this is happening or like someone's even paying me this? Yeah. yeah like it was, it was just like, it was cool. It was like, I did it. Like it wasn't like mind blowing. It was like, I did it. Like it's, it's about time. <laughs> it's like, it just felt like really good. Like, you know, like it's like all this hard work. It's like, fuck yeah. Like this is awesome. But like when I think about it, it's like people pay me to like type words yeah. and send it. It's like, that's a weird concept, man. I do that with a lot of things in life though. I, I, I think life's crazy. It's cool. Yeah. You know, I love, okay. So I had this, obviously I've been doing this podcast since the new year, since 21, since 2022, sorry. And I was like, at the start, it was more of kind of like an experiment. I was like, I, I love podcasts. Like I love interviewing, like one-on-one conversations with people like in real life i'm like why don't i just try a podcast i was like i'll just film 10 episodes and so i did the 10 and i was like i love this shit i like i really like this <laughs> and so i was like i do really, i like this a lot and then i had this i was like i was on my phone one night and i was like I don't just want this to be an experiment anymore like i want like an audience like i want this to actually be something that i do so I put this tweet out and I was like, I'm going to get 10,000 listens on my podcast minimum this year. And, and I was like, and I think I said at the end, I was like, hold me accountable to that. And I think for, in a way, the way that was for me, is like what it was for you when you spent like $8,000. Cause I don't really say things like that in public, <laughs> like on my Twitter like that. And I think it's like this feeling when you start, you have this like self-belief in yourself and you show yourself that you're willing to go all in on you. It's, it's like this confidence. And I think for me, that's actually been the best feeling of the whole process 
is like, I'm so confident, like I'm willing to actually put it out there that I'm doing it or I'm willing to like actually put my money behind it. Like uh, it's consistency bias. Like we're as humans, we're wired to be consistent with what we say. So like, that's a, that's a very powerful tool is just saying shit on Twitter. Like a lot of people talk shit about telling people your goals, but I think it's, if it's done correctly like that, like, I think it's, it's solid, man. Like that's definitely a good way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Okay, sweet. No, I love it. I want to talk about more about your Twitter and more about like your writing style. Because like, like I said earlier, I think when I first saw that really big tweet thread that you had, I was like, no one writes like, like, at least from what I had seen on Twitter, I was like, no one really writes like this. Like it's incredibly like raw. It's like very authentic, genuine. It's kind of like unapologetic as well. Cause I can see some people being like, like a lot of the things that people write on Twitter, everyone already kind of agrees with it. I'm interested, how did you even develop? that sort of style like how did you even find your voice like your style of writing on twitter yeah so that's a good question so like early on with twitter i definitely fell in the trap of trying to tweet stuff for engagement so i would say shit like i would exaggerate things i believed in just to be like kind of polarizing and like try to get engagement and I don't know, man. Like, it, it's just like kind of got old after a while. So I'm like, I'm just going to tweet like value with copywriting stuff and like offer my takes here and there, like what I actually think. And over time, it's like, I don't know. Like, I just, I think people tweet bland stuff because they don't, they don't value themselves. And like, I definitely did that in the beginning because you're, you're scared of like how people are going to judge you and how you're going to be perceived. And at a certain point, you're just, I don't know. You, uh, it kind of has to come from an internal belief in yourself or of your self-worth that your opinion holds value. And it definitely took a lot of iterations and it's I still some something I, I work on. But yeah, like with that thread, that was like definitely like raw. Like that was, that was my beliefs and that's how I see the world. And a lot of people didn't agree and I didn't give a fuck because I wasn't tweeting for them. So like, that's a big thing. It's like finding who you're writing for. And if you're trying to write for everybody, that's when you get the bland stuff. But if you're writing for like, say, if I'm writing for that 20 year old kid that is struggling with life and maybe didn't have the nicest upbringing, but knows he has potential, I'm writing for that person. I don't give a fuck about old man Jim or whoever like decided to shit talk me in that post. I remember there's one guy. I didn't write for that dude. Like, I don't care if you disagree. Like, there's a, there's a certain point. Like, you just gotta, if you want to make it as a writer, you gotta understand, like, your stuff isn't gonna be for everybody, and that's okay. You don't write for them. Like, that's not who you're trying to appeal for. And that also comes, like, when you, it's it's ironic, it's like a paradox. Like, the less you value followers or getting follow, followers, the more you get. Because when you're less concerned about getting followers, that's when like your true writing comes out. But like to a certain point, like obviously I care about getting followers or I wouldn't be like going crazy with threads and shit, but like there's like a good balance with anything. But yeah, like it's, I think the main thing is like one establishing your value and that, that comes from, that doesn't come from Twitter. That comes from like actually working on yourself. It comes from like going to the gym, reading books, working on your relationships, stuff like that. And then it'll it'll correlate with your writing. And then the second one is find who you're writing for and write for them. And fuck everybody else. Sorry mm. for all the swearing. 
That's me. That's raw. I'm talking to the to the kids that like swearing. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I'm interested because one thing I've even noticed with this podcast is like you kind of you go through these different ceilings, like these different barriers. So I remember when I first put the podcast out, like I could not, I, I, I scheduled it in Anchor or whatever. And then I couldn't sleep for like, it was, I scheduled it like two days in the future. I could not sleep for two days because I was so nervous about people listening to this episode. And now I can like, I just put it out comfortably, right? But now there's like a new yeah. thing that I'm like scared of. And like, you'll kind of just keep breaking through these ceilings. You've obviously like, you've left university, you've built a business, you've built a following, uh, you've got like a lot fitter in the gym. I'm interested at like this point, what is the next, what's the next thing that you look at and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Or you're just like, you're just nervous about it. Like what is the next thing? Yeah. So there's two things that come to mind. So Instagram, I recently started growing on Instagram. I was hesitant or I like put it off for a while because all my like real life friends are like on Instagram and stuff. And they like, no one really knows about me on Twitter and like posting stuff like this until recently. Like I started posting like last week or something. So that that was, it wasn't like, I think I really like, I worked up in my head like a while ago, but like now I just don't care. It's like, yeah, this is what I do on Twitter. Like I'm blowing the shit up on Twitter. You can have it on Instagram. now. like, I don't give a shit what they think of me. So that's, that, that used to be something. And then right now I'm working on a cohort. So I've never done a product. I've never sold any like thing to my followers other than my service, ghostwriting service. So with that, I have a lot of like, okay, this needs to be perfect. Or like, I just need to make this like the best fucking cohort ever. And like, I'm just like overanalyzing a lot of stuff. And like, I'm just working on this stuff. Like, crazy and like this has to be perfect and then i just get overwhelmed like oh there's so much to do and stuff like that but it's good like it's it's again it's like i recognize what's happening and i realize it's a good sign i need to lean into it and there's a lot i need to learn with like how to market it how to get good results for these people how to even position myself with this cohort and it's all a lot of like new stuff but it's something like i'm, I'm like very welcoming of and it's like you said it's like it's like the new plateau so like once i build my knowledge in this area then it's just like okay i'm building my foundations even more and i could build even higher once i have this foundation so yeah that's the next thing i'm working on and like emails like man i don't know how to write emails like i was like i'm just doing it though like i suck at them and i'm like oh okay this write an email so like just like all the time like just different skills approaching women that's a good one too that's something i've done in the past it's like not even business related but it's like self-improvement like screw tinder screw bumble all that shit like i want to approach more women they're just like hey you're very gorgeous. Can I get your number? Stuff like that. Like I've I've done that in the past, like a handful of times. It scares the shit out of me, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a scary shit. But it's like it's good because it's like you should do it because it it scares the shit out of you. So that's that's another thing, more personal, but yeah. that's a good thing. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what's funny about that is like you can build like a six figure business. You can build like tons of followers on Twitter. Like all these things that seem so difficult. And then that is like, cause I know what you mean. Like that is like so scary. And you're like, I've done all this other shit. Like how the, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. Like you, like guys are more comfortable asking for $25,000 from a complete stranger than approaching <laughs> a woman for a number. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. I have two, I have two questions for you before 
before we finish off. The first one is I'm interested your process for learning because you spoke about obviously you you did the ghostwriting business or like the copywriting business. You then grew a following on Twitter. You're now going into Instagram. In those initial stages where you have, because I'm assuming at the start, like everyone, I'm assuming you have no idea what you're doing. Like, how mm-hmm. do you even, how do you start? Like, how do you think about it? Is it just jump in? Is there like some strategic approach? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. So I, I kind of, this is kind of like leverage. So it's kind of similar to what I did with crypto. I just looked at the smartest people and this also like takes some intuition, I guess, or like research, however you want to say. So like, I'm pretty good at like detecting who's real and who's full of shit. So I look at the people that are like really successful in their areas and that know what they're doing. And then I just like look at what they're consuming or I consume what they're teaching and I just consume that stuff. And then I apply that. So Say with growing on Instagram, Dan Co, the guy that used to coach me, I'm living with him right now. It's funny. But yeah, so he's growing on Instagram. He grew like 100,000 followers in a week. So I looked at him and I'm like, oh, this guy gets results. I'm just going to do what he does. So, I mean, it's not applicable to like every endeavor, but like I, I'm talking to this guy. I know his strategy and all that stuff. So like if I'm if that's what I need to do, I'm going to do it because he's, he's been in my position and he's where I want to be. I'm going to do that. But like at the same time, so if I'm at 85,000 followers right now and someone at zero followers is trying to do what I do without context, like they're just looking at what I'm doing right now, then they're not going to get the same results because what gets you from zero to 10 isn't what gets you from 10 to a hundred. So like, that's also an important thing. So the person you're looking at, you got to see like, okay, what are they telling people to do if they want to get from zero to 10? Mm-hmm. Don't just copy what they're doing now. Look at what they're suggesting, what they're telling other people to do, stuff like that. And actually apply it. Like that's another thing. Like a lot of people, myself included in the past, just read books all day. And I felt inco- I felt accomplished because I'm like, oh yes, another book, book a week. Yes, did it. And you have all your highlights and stuff. How much of that shit are you applying? Like I know I barely applied um, any of the books I read during a big stint. Now I'm reading like one book or like a few books at a time. I'm taking these chunks of information. I'm like, okay, how can I apply this into what I'm doing now? How can I store this information, take notes, shit like that? Another thing is like another time leverage is like when you're washing dishes, when you're going on a walk, when you're uh, driving your car, listen to podcasts, eBooks, whatever. And just like fill your brain with ideas because a lot of those ideas will like sit in your head. And then when an opportunity comes by, since that idea is in your head, you'll apply it and you'll create an opportunity out of that. So it's just fill yourself with good information, apply it, know who to consume information from. No, that's really, that's really good. Okay. This is the final question. And let me say this as well. We need to do, I don't know when, but we need to do like a part two. Cause I feel like, Dude, I feel like I'm, I'm so kind, down. We're like scratching this is the, the best surface. fucking podcast I've been on. I fucking love this. This is awesome. This is sick. <laughs> thank you, thank you, bro. We're just. I feel like we're just yeah. scratching the surface. There's so much more. Yeah, we could do like some Rogan esque three hour yeah. pod. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm down for that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, we'll sick. do a, we'll do a part two for sure. But here, here's yeah. my final question for you, because just following you and observing you on Twitter, 
I think one of the most impressive things, there's a lot of people that write tweet threads and they get great engagement. They get, you know, a ton of people commenting, retweeting, liking it. I think one of the things that impressed me the most about you, you'll do like a one-off tweet and like over a thousand people will like it. Like your, yeah. your, aud- your audience is like engaged. They're like really plugged into everything you do. And I think yeah. even when I think about building this podcast, it's like, how do I get that, that loyal audience? And I'm just, yeah. I'm curious, how did you develop that? Like, why, why do you think that they do that with you? Yeah. So this is where building a brand is different than gaining followers. So with a brand, there's a lot that comes into it and a lot more that I don't understand. I'm still trying to figure out, but it's all part of the journey. But so what a lot of people screw up is there's like different pillars. So there's, this is the way I look at it with like a Twitter brand that's applicable to other things. So there's three pillars. So there's the growth. So that's like the basic tweets, the stuff that like a lot of people like generic. There's the personal stuff. So that's like in your twenties, the thread I wrote about my life, my views, my stories, stuff like that. And then there is authority. So that's giving value, like copywriting tips, writing tips, marketing tips. And when you combine the three, that's when you build a brand, you build the foundations for a brand. So you tweet the personal stories, stuff like that, opinions, that creates relatability. So that makes the person feel like they know you. feels like the, you're a friend now because you align with their views. Then you tweet the authority to give value. So if I'm giving you value all the time, my perceived level of value in your eyes is higher. So because you perceive me as more relatable and you perceive me as high value because I'm giving you this value, when I tweet the growth tweets, like the basic tweets, you're going to, you're going to like that. You're going to retweet it, all that stuff, because you're like, oh, that's good stuff. Like say if a math teacher or some kind of like professor, like someone of like high self, self claimed authority tweets like, oh, drink, drink water. Oh, okay. No, this is a good one. Okay. So for a doctor, he says vaccines work or whatever. I, I won't get into the politics of it or like this, this medicine works. But then some homeless guys like, oh, that vaccine sucks or like or this vaccine works or whatever. You're going to trust the doctor because he has more value, more perceived status, all that stuff. And maybe you even like him better. You're going to trust his opinion or you're going to like his stuff better than some random person just spewing random opinions. So that's the way I look at it. And just like posting vulnerable shit, man. Like I've posted a lot of shit where I was scared to post it, what people thought of me. And that's like, that's the core. Like you're, you're, you're telling people that you stand for something. Like this is who I am. I don't give a fuck what you think of me. Or maybe you do, but you're going to do it anyways. That's, that's a brand. Like Nike, that's a brand. Because they they are very specific of like who this is for. This is for athletes. The same with like the Colin Kaepernick like stuff. They they stood for something there, and that's how they created that diehard loyalty. But you think about I don't know like a Motel Eight or like a Hyatt or something like no one can no one really like looks at looks at that and like oh yeah like this is my kind of place. It's like oh it's like yeah. just generic brand. So if you're treating generic stuff, it's just like supply and demand. So much generic stuff. Like you're just not valued because every, I can go look at some other Twitter account and then I'm getting the same shit. But if I, I go to Caleb's Twitter and I see he's posting all this 
like stuff like this is my story. This is uh, do this to increase your podcast conversions, get traffic to your podcast, stuff like that. You're like, oh, that is for me. I identify like I like this guy. I identify with his brand. I want to be part of this. So that's like at the core, like that's brand building. And I think that's a, like something a lot of people screw up. So like you see these people, uh, they're growing like a shit ton of followers. But how many of those followers are going to buy your stuff? How many of those followers actually give a shit about you? I would argue these are big accounts with like 200,000 plus followers. Like they're not making many sales because they're not showing their authority. They're not doing this or that. So that's a, like a really big part of brand building is like those three pillars. Yeah. Now that's, that's, that's so good, man. And it's, it's interesting. Even I'll have conversations with my parents or friends, family about this. Even as I'm growing my pod, which is authenticity is everything in content creation nowadays. Like mm-hmm. being vulnerable, being genuine. And it's funny even what you were saying, because I've had a similar thing where it's like the stuff that I was scared to post was always the best performing content. It was always when I was there, like my finger, like twitching over the post button that I was like, that was the stuff that really. Exactly. And it goes, ties back ties back to like that tweet like take risk in your 20s like even if you're like later on in life like take risk like it's exactly like posting content like you feel that discomfort but you need to lean into that and that's what's that's what grows thanks for tuning in to behind the thread please subscribe and leave a review it really helps me grow the pod also let me know who you'd like to see come on the podcast next i'm callum it's been a pleasure i'll see you on the next one